Woodworth is a senior data scientist and co-founder at Ravelin. In this podcast, Stephen explains why we use machine learning for fraud detection and explains the meanings behind features, scores, models, and much more. Why do we use machine learning as a tool for fraud detection? So, so I think there's a multitude of reasons why we use machine learning. Um, so if you think about what our business is, essentially we're trying to spot fraud on behalf of our clients. And as a result, our clients are very large and we have tons and tons of data coming in and fraud looks very different for each client that we have. If we were to not use machine learning, essentially we'd have people constantly looking at or trying to spot trends in data. And I just don't think we'd have the manpower to be able to do that, nor would we do as good a job at it. Um, so, so the reason that we use machine learning is, you know, one of the reasons is that you can learn very quickly from examples of what fraud looks like in the past. You can use that to pick apart different types of fraud that you've seen as well, um, which, is, which is really nice because you then get a good blending of not overreacting to a specific type of fraud because you know, perhaps it was particularly obvious or particularly agrarious, but it happens very rarely. And, and as a human, you might overreact to that and say, okay, we're never going to let any orders from China come through again. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it, that's probably not the right decision to take. And machine learning is able to understand the weightings of your different types of fraud and, and to, to deal with them accordingly. I think there's an interesting um, difference in that it it learns things that are harder for humans to spot. It also learns things that are maybe go against human intuition or are too basic or too, you know, humans might not think they're important enough for mm-hmm. it to look at. So uh, they just disregard them. Whereas if you feed all of this data into models, it can essentially learn from the data what's important as opposed to imparting any human bias on it or being restricted by the ability of the human to sort of pull apart and understand and interpret that data. I think another reason is when you use any prediction system, you just have to be pragmatic about it. You're going to get it wrong in some cases. And and if you think about the case of fraud detection, the ways that you can get it wrong is you can say that a person that is a genuine customer, you call them a fraudster and you stop them transacting or you can not spot a fraudulent customer and you allow them to get through. Uh, With a machine learning system, you get a much more gradual trade-off between those two two wrongs. So essentially, you'll catch fewer fraudsters and you'll be more sure about the ones that you did catch. Okay, so one of the things that we ask our clients to do is send us a load of data. And from a machine learning model point of view, my understanding is that that it interprets data as features. Yeah. How does that process work? So a feature, also called a signal, is essentially an expression of a type of behaviour that we're trying to capture. And usually these things are expressed as numbers. So if you think about machine learning models, pretty much all of them are only able to understand numbers. You know, very few of them are able to understand text uh, or images or video. You know, there are of course some that do, but it's not really relevant for today's discussion um, so if you think about if you think about what a fraudster might do 
model we we need to be able to give examples of those types of behavior to a model as a number mm -hmm. so let's say we have fraudster a they sign up for a food delivery app and they add 10 cards all of which are from 10 different countries um you know as it stands we might just have the raw data might just be a bunch of lines in a csv file that says you know card one card two uh norway uh registered on this this thing yeah you know this day but we're able to take that into a number turn that into a number by aggregating some information about all of those raw uh, all of those raw cards so how many distinct countries uh has this customer registered cards from so let's say in that example that's 10. so we've got 10 we've got a feature that describes a distinct number of countries and that's 10. we could then have another feature which is how many distinct you know cards again 10. another interesting thing might be to look at how many different billing addresses were on there so we've now managed to take this raw data and aggregate some features out of it so if you think about a genuine customer you'll probably sign up to it and you'll just add one mm -hmm. uh, or maybe two um, that might be you know yours and your partners for example or yours and your your corporate account so instantly you can you know you can start seeing that there's there might be a split in these numbers that you'd be able to say okay perhaps the more cards someone has the more likely they might be to be a fraudster because of how aggressive, you know, that's not what a normal person does. Yeah. Um, so we, we get all of this raw information and we start to extract all of these numbers, essentially, out of the, out of the raw data. Uh, and we do hundreds of these things. So these go from uh, what we call identity-based features. So mm -hmm. these are looking at people's names and emails, the correlations of people's names across various other aspects of the things that they own, so their cards. Um, mm -hmm. It would be strange if you had many different, uh, many different billing names and your name didn't match any of them, for example. Uh, also billing addresses, you know, we can start looking at, does the billing address match the shipping address uh, of the thing that you're trying to buy? But also things about how you order, what you order, and how that relates to everyone else in the company. So we can tell, how much more expensive than normal a particular order is yeah. uh, with you know the corollary being that more expensive orders from younger accounts generally tend to be fraudulent so we don't have to go to detail into absolutely everything we do but it's safe to say a key part of our job is to essentially take all of this raw data try and extract as many different numbers uh, and expressions of types of behavior we can and then to take them and to essentially learn the appropriate weightings and splits of each of these numbers in order to say whether someone is a fraudster or if they're a good customer. So that's a really place of a really interesting place, which is who makes that determination or how is that determination reached? Is this something uh, the models determine through sort of training data or do we take some guesses or is it a combination of the, uh, the even we ascribe a significance to certain features uh, and mm -hmm. predetermine the, the, the significance of it. So the way it works right now is that we essentially let the model figure it out. The way that it figures it out is through historical data. So we, we go back in time and we sort of pretend for every customer that we have in our training set, which is essentially all of our, our clients' customers, we step through each customer's history and we say, okay, what did we know at this time? 
and then let's step forward another 10 minutes when they added another card, okay? We knew this thing. And we take all of these raw examples and then we use these as uh, what we call, you know, labeled, labeled data, essentially. And we say, this person with this combination of features turned out to be genuine. So take all of them and make sure that you try and assign future examples that look like this to be genuine. Yeah. So we then do this tens of millions of times over, uh, well, the entire historical data that our client has. Mm. And we use that to learn, the model automatically learns from examples of historical fraud, what are the best things that I should look at when trying to classify something as fraudulent or genuine. If I'm a new client to Ravelin, I haven't got much historical fraud data. Can we apply historical learnings from a different client to a new client to get some machine learning results, or is it bespoke every time? So, so no, it's not, it's not bespoke every time. So what you're referring to is what we call client-specific models, where we train, yeah. we train a model purely on a client's own data. And as a general rule, that tends to have better performance for the client because it's more specific to them. It can learn nuances that aren't available in other clients' data or just aren't relevant. But there is a trade-off to be made here, which is if we don't have enough historical data, it's hard for us to tell if the patterns that it's learning are simply what we call overfitting, which is essentially learning spurious correlations that it's seen in the past. So an example might be the model thinks that everyone that's in Barnsley that has more than six vowels in their name and is from this particular street is a fraudster. Whereas in reality, that's not the case. It's just it has so few examples to learn off that it's kind of grasping at straws and to find, trying to find out, yeah. uh, find out these things, you know, and, and they don't generalize to the future, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to spot patterns which are generalizable into the future. And, and the way we like to talk about this is the general essence of fraud. Like, does this model capture generally fraudy behavior? And by that we mean, you know, does it generalize well? Is it sensible? Is it robust? Does it have these weird edge cases which we can't explain? Yeah. Um, so when we get a new client, we usually run them on a general model, which is from multiple clients' data, which we've validated is very good at catching fraud. And then, if, you know, if a client can't backfill data to us, we need to wait some time to kind of listen and adapt and figure out what fraud looks like for them, and then we'll move them onto their own model. But at the start, usually we start off on a, on a general model. So what does validation mean? How often do we validate for clients, and how does that validation take place? What are the factors? So the way that we train our model is what's referred to as a pipeline. So imagine a pipeline as a series of things that you run sort of one after the other. So, you know, a very simplified version of our pipeline might be go and get the data, go and transform the data, train the model, evaluate how good that model is. You know, skipping out yeah. tens and tens of details here, but we do that on a weekly basis for all of our clients. And we've invested a huge amount into figuring, into essentially validating that that uh, evaluation is robust and it makes sense and it's useful, but also for the tooling internally to allow our data scientists to 
figure out if the model is good or not. I mean, essentially what's output, you know, usually is just a series of numbers, but that's not what really matters to our client. Mm -hmm. What matters is, you know, oh, there was this weird case that previously Ravelin spotted, but now they have a new model that they didn't spot. And those are the sorts of things that we're trying to protect against is, you know, making sure that, yes, our model does generally better on all of the various metrics we'd like it to. So these are things around uh, classification accuracy, um, but there's also kind of business metrics of like make sure, making sure that we're stopping fraud more quickly, but also making sure that we're not letting through very obvious or agrarious examples as well. Can you talk a little bit about what contributes a score? What makes up a score? What is a score, I suppose? We have the machine learning score, which is essentially, you know, a number bounded between zero and 100 of how fraudy we think this person is. So what happens is the model is taking the features that we extract uh, when a client asks us about a particular customer. So at this, uh, at this very point in time, how fraudulent do we think that this particular person is? We take all of these features that we extract and we run them through the model. You can think of the way that that happens is a series of questions that are asked of the features that we extract. So, you know, does this person have more than five cars? Do they have, are they, is their account age less than two weeks old? Um, have they been seen in a historically fraudy area? And then keep asking these questions and you'll get to a very specific amount of <coughs> very specific estimate of how fraudy you think that particular customer is based off of all of the historical examples we've seen in the past. And we, we do that multiple times, mm -hmm. um, essentially to get a slightly different perspective of what fraud looks like. You know, we, we use these, <coughs> these models called random forests, which are essentially decision trees, but exposed to slightly different uh, data so that you can think of them as a panel of experts that are each an expert at a specific type of fraud. Mm. Um, and then at the end of that, we output a score. So a score is essentially made up of lots and lots of these different features that have varying contribution to that score itself. So if we scored someone 50, say, and the standout features that caused that were the fact that they were in a network with five other people, each of which that had 10 cards registered, which is very strange for a genuine customer to yeah. do, that would make a large contribution to the score. And that would be available in our dashboard for people to sort of unpick to explain the score that we gave.